Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome into the Graham Lick and McLean podcast, episode 115, 115. Um, if you guys get a chance, please go rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. We would really appreciate that. The support has been awesome. And before we dive into this weekend slate, it's an awesome slate. I want to remind you guys to go listen to our mailbag pod. I feel like because it doesn't have a big guest name, you people. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. Our listeners are maybe thinking, oh, okay. We had so much fun doing this podcast and it was probably one of our best. And so I would encourage you just go check it out and it'll really get you ready for the weekend as well. Just like this one will Eric McLean. Hello. What's up KG. If, if you guys are listening to this right now, you're probably thinking, Eric, how are you doing this? You're live at Notre Dame as I'm <laughs> listening to this. Well, it's a little podcast magic right here. Um, Boom. No, but we're recording it early, clearly, but KG, I am so excited. So today, which is Thursday, uh, taking you guys back in time as you listen to this, I will be headed to Charlotte, doing College Football Live, and then getting on a plane with Mark Packer himself. They're letting him out of the basement. And oh my God. honestly, not sure who made that decision. It could get dangerous quickly. Uh, when you have a wild animal like that on the loose, you're just not sure what's going to happen. And uh, They're only letting him go because he has a caretaker. He has you <laughs> to keep him in line. That, that might be the truth, but uh, we're, we're super excited. I hope it's fun, and I hope you guys see that we're having such a big time out and about at Notre Dame for the cross-country ACC championship. Let's oh, go. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, can you give us any hints? Like, I know Packer's going to be driving around in the golf cart. Where are you going to be? I hope that I'm in the golf cart as well. It is supposed to be raining. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. You know, and again, as you guys are listening to this, it's happening to me right now. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. It's going to be kind of cold. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be fun at the end of the day. But hey, we're going to the, the, the north, the Midwest north. I don't know how they call themselves the Midwest. You're the north. All right. You're up there. And uh, it's going to be a good time, though. And we're going to be all over the place. It'll still be Football Friday, uh, but there's going to be some big-time emphasis and some people running a long way for a long time, which I would never want to ever do. Gosh, those cross-country people, kudos to you. God bless you. I don't. <laughs> I do not get it. Well, we can recap it on Monday, Mac. I'll tell you, I've never been to South Bend when it's warm. Oh, there you go. So... Yeah, warm comparatively, I'm, I guess. Uh, I think it's the high of like 50. Worried so, for you. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I've only been in basketball season and it's been miserable. <laughs> but, you know, that's most of those places up there in those up, parts. Up there. <laughs> in those parts. Well, Mac, we have so many great games to get to. And it was tough for you. You pick our big four that we're going to give our seaside grown fresh picks of the week picks. And this was a tough week because there's so many good games. We've had kind of shorter slates the past couple of weeks because of bye weeks, but the bye weeks are over. I mean, we're we're into it now. So into the thick of it. <laughs> into the thick of it. Okay. We're making a TikTok mid podcast. Let's go. Oh my god. How do you say it? How do you do Hello, hello, Gen Z. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> we are so glad to have you here. 
Let's get into this game. We are kind of truly... sounded like some Squid Game vibes right there. Have you good. watched that, by the way? No, I could not oh, yeah, handle yeah, that. Yeah, I don't Have think, you watched I don't it? Think, yeah, I don't think it's your style. Don't watch it. Yeah, you know, you know. Do you know what I? Okay, the other day, Mac and I were just talking about what shows we've watched, and I brought up Bridgerton, and Mac was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I watched that." And I was like, "Mac, you watched Bridgerton?" It's a great show, by the way. <laughs> don't watch it with your mom or grandma. Do not. It's a great show. And you didn't even watch it with Kaki? You watched it by yourself? No, 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 no. Kaki and I watched it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a great show. It's a great show. I was just imagining Mac watching the show about lords and ladies, <laughs> just chilling by himself, watching tape on one screen and Bridgerton right. on the other. <laughs> it gets Hilarious. serious. It gets serious super quickly. Okay, quick sidebar. Have you watched Made yet on Netflix? Uh, M-A-I-D? I think a little. It, this is brand new? Yeah, pretty brand new, like the last two weeks. No, I saw I saw some It's about um, a single mom. Yeah, I saw a bunch of reviews and stuff about it. I need to watch it. It is truly one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was incredible. Go. It's yeah. intense. Prepare yourself. But at the end, you're just like, wow. I'm so inspired. And just because it's based on a true story as well. That's yeah. just my little uh two so, cents you know, there. Yeah, Khaki Mac's been on the road these last two weeks. We've kind of been like passing each other like yeah. trains in the night. And uh, so I haven't been able to watch any new shows without her because, as you know, that's like against the law. That's marriage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You don't do that ever. And I would be offended if she did it. Uh, so we're, we've kind of put a pause on our TV viewing life, but excited to get that ramp back up next week. Yes. Watch made. It was <laughs> prepare yourself. All right. You're, there's some funny parts, but um, you're about to you're about to be into the thick of it because it's intense. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Enough nonsense, Eric McLean. Let's dive in. We could do this for an hour. Let's dive into our Big Four breakdown, and let's start with probably the game of the weekend in the ACC. Miami, three and four overall, fighting for bowl eligibility. At number 17, Pittsburgh, six and one, already bowl eligible. This is a nooner on ACC Network. Pitt is a nine-point favorite. Miami's coming off a win. They're playing better. Pitt is feeling good. They just beat Clemson very convincingly. They have all of their goals in front of them. They can almost smell the ACC championship game appearance. Mac, is this a letdown spot for the Panthers? Mm, I hope not. You know, it's super weird, though, how this game is on at 12, which I'm happy and I'm very grateful it's on our network. But when you look at Pitt was just on ESPN. Miami was just on ESPN, two in primetime, and somehow – they both win, and they now play at 12 o'clock. I wonder if ACC Network had claimed to this game or something already. Maybe, but put it in primetime. Like, yeah, let's this should go. be prime Let's time. give this game something better than noon. But, uh, you know, programming is a whole other world. I, I don't understand it. Don't, don't try to understand it. But I'm pumped to watch this game. I think when you look at Pitt, um, historically, even recent history, this year after Tennessee, we see them lose to Western Michigan. I think people are expecting these guys to lose. I think a lot of them are. And I think we're going to see Kenny Pickett and the boys, Narduzzi and the boys, say, uh-uh, it's over. You know, we had that one letdown. We had that one game. And now we are Zoom-focused, locked in, understand what's in front of us. And, you know, it's going to be a big test, you know, just because we saw Kenny and they got over that mountaintop, right? When we saw NC State get over that mountaintop, they had a sleeper game and just schlep walk into playing La Tech and almost lost. So with these guys, I, I think it helps, too, that Miami just beat NC State and, and kind of have this new spark and this new edge. And so I, I really don't think there's any way for Pitt to be like, oh, yeah, it's just it's three and four Miami. You know, we're going we're gonna to walk all over. 
I agree. And, you know, the, the brand name as well speaks a lot, especially for Pitt, who's still trying to establish themselves. You've got Clemson and then Miami the next week. That's huge. Yeah. And one thing that will be interesting to look at this game. Okay. We remember a couple years ago, 2017. Oh, yeah. Miami's top two in, the, I think they're two in the country, uh-huh. uh, thinking national championship. Young Kenny Pickett, crazy that he was still on the team or was on the team, uh, spoils their season. Mm-hmm. Does Miami have that on their mind? Say, hey, remember this? We're going to do it right back to you. That's going to be something that's super interesting to watch. Honestly, that feels so long ago. I mean, how many quarterbacks? are at their school through a color change and like have worn the old colors and the new colors. I don't think there's any the other player. Change. <laughs> there's any other player on pit that wore the Navy and gold. Those guys look at Kenny like you are a grandpa. And you know, that's, that's the thing with Kenny though. His maturity is really shining this year. And after the Clemson game, when he said in his post game, look, I'm going to go have a cold one because I'm 30, and then I'm on to Miami. So I do think, you know, it's the perfect example of the fifth-year guy, the super mature quarterback, and how it trickles down to the rest of his team. That's a big contrast. You've got the fifth-year Kenny Pickett, who is really, truly getting the Heisman love now that he deserves, and true freshman Tyler Van Dyke, TVD, who has played well, but it's a big difference between these two guys. And so Especially with Pitt, you know, they didn't get off to a great start against Clemson, but that was fine. Pickett got them settled in. It didn't matter. I think if Miami doesn't start quickly, doesn't start well, that could be a disaster for Miami. But um, one thing you really saw, Mac, with Miami is their D-line played a lot better. This is going to be a a big challenge for Pitt's offensive line, who has looked really good. And really a great warm-up by playing Clemson, right, and and getting ready for those guys. and. and (laughs) Nice yeah, when, when you up. play them, that's kind of the best of the best in, in what they do. And so now you think that of- offensive line with how good they played against the Tigers, you know, they'll be locked in. They need to keep that same energy, that same performance, because as you said, Miami's D-line, that they looked really good last week. They got in the backfield. They were making tackles for loss and really doing a great job getting after Devin Leary, pressuring him, trying to make him do different things. So if they're able to do that, uh, you know, look out because Clemson did it a couple of times. Uh, but but if Miami can really get after Kenny, then it's going to be interesting to see what does that look like. I think the defense for Pitt as well, like take advantage of this young guy being back there. He's on the road. It's probably going to be colder weather, maybe some bad weather. You know, get after him because we've seen them make huge progress as a team, as a unit since that loss to Western Michigan. And so I think if you get after TVD, make him uncomfortable, uh, big Balinado. Kalijah Cansey and these linebackers, I mean, they, they do such a great job of blitzing, disguising blitzes, and you know, just getting after it. So that's what I expect to see from Pitt. And then and, and was what we saw from Miami last week a glimpse of the future, or was it just lightning in a bottle? You know, I, I love the ap- aggressive play calling from the jump. I love, you know, saying, Hey, you know, Tyler, we're going, man. This, this is it. We we gotta take strikes and really just the confidence and the swagger that we saw from them. Uh, also interested to see Charleston Rambo. Can he keep it up? Can he be, you know, really a late bloomer into an all ACC team? Because I think there's plenty of, of opportunity left and we know what recent bias can look like. If you start and go after, you know, a couple of 150 games in a row here, people are going to be like, yeah, put that guy on a team. So, you know, some really some personal goals still in front of these guys and some things that they can certainly accomplish. Mac, I'm very disappointed you did not pronounce Baldonado's full name. Habakkuk. Baldonado. Oh. Oh. 
I <laughs> love that name. That is a he was on our all name team for my radio show, Habakkuk Baldonado and Kalajikansi. Pitt has a lot of amazing names. I'll just throw that in. I mean, Shocky, Servassier, Servassier, Abanacanda, Servassier. They do have a lot of great names. Oh my sure. gosh. Absolutely elite. Okay, Mac, let's get to our keys for this game. What are your keys for Pitt and Miami? Yeah, well, I want to start with Pitt, and I just kind of mentioned it, what I want to see from their defense. You've got to hit Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, as a quarterback, as a young quarterback, if you're just getting blasted each and every play, I'm not saying hit him after the whistle. I'm not saying late hits. I'm not saying get penalties. But he needs to feel y'all. He, he needs to know, okay, if I'm a little bit later here, I'm getting killed. And, and I think if they can do that and do that often, he might start seeing ghosts. He might start scrambling before he really needs to. And then you get somebody really uncomfortable, and that defensive game plan can even flourish even more. And then if I'm Miami, honestly, good luck. It's going to be tough. But I think you need to try to confuse Kenny. He has been so good at methodically going one, two, three, check down, one, two, three, check down, and and just finding his guys when he needs to. You've got to try to confuse him. Does that mean invert some coverages? Does that mean – pre-snap show man, post-snap go cover two, cover three, you know, whatever that looks like. Don't go outside of your scheme because then you're just going to get killed. But, you know, do something different because he is going to try to pick you apart. My key for this game, it has to do with Pittsburgh. And I was at the Clemson-Pittsburgh game, so I saw the environment. And it did get loud at times. It was, you know, the lower bowl was all full, but really not, not the upper bowl. And it is a bigger stadium. This is a noon game. I'm a little concerned. Now, I know Pitt fans are fired up, but I'm a little concerned about the atmosphere to start a noon game with, you know, maybe not a full stadium. So to counter that, I think Pitt needs to get off to a very quick start. They got off to a slow start against Clemson, and if Clemson had an offensive pulse, then they would have been able to really put some points up. I mean, Clemson, when you look at the DJ pick and the Will Shipley drop, Clemson should have been up 17-0. to And if you get down 17-0 to to Miami – with no crowd really behind you in a nooner, that could be a problem. So my key for Pitt is to start faster. Come on. I like that. I think that makes total sense. And, you know, I, I think they'll have that ability. When, when you're, you're not playing a Clemson defense, uh, things seem to be a little bit easier. But we kind of thought that against NC State and Miami last week, and it didn't happen. So it is going to be very interesting to see this Miami team. Was last week an isolated incident, or is this team making some real progress going into the end of the season? All right, let's get to our next game. Florida State, three and four overall at Clemson, four and three overall. 3.30 on ESPN. Clemson is a 10-point favorite. Wow, Vegas. It's so interesting to me that Clemson is still a double-digit favorite. Uh, Clemson has not covered once this whole season. So I'm already telling you FSU plus 10, I think, is the play. Mac, and the under. And the under. Yeah, the under for sure. Where do we even start with this game? Probably with the Seminoles because they are feeling good. They are excited to roll up into Death Valley. They're excited to see these Tigers. And preseason, I don't think anybody would have thought that. I don't think anybody would have remotely thought that. No, especially with what happened last year. No, and just Clemson, clearly, as we have said a billion times on this podcast and every other show that I go on, they just haven't been themselves. They just aren't at the end of the day. And it's interesting you know, just to look at this game, does, does Clemson make some changes personnel-wise, what they try to do, what they want to do? You know, we heard from, you know, Coach Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, and said, look, every job's open. It's a competition. You know, we're grading this week's of practice, and the best player's going to play. 
you know, it'll be interesting to see if that's true. If someone did practice better, do we see some significant changes on the offense, on the defense? Those guys are pretty much set. So it'll be, it'll be something to watch for sure. But, you know, really when you look at this game, it's just a little underwhelming, you know, for, for teams of old. Uh, the, the the great matchup yeah, for what Clemson FSU yeah, should be yeah and what uh, I mean the teams that I played against I mean I, I think I lost those guys two or three times and it, but it was always great games minus the one blowout yeah uh, which they oh yeah we won't talk about that gosh, one they were so good um but it, it's always great games and, and we're usually both ranked in the country sometimes one or two or top five or something of that nature and and it's a three and four and a four and three and it's just like ugh. But I think as a college football fan, you kind of welcome it because you know it's going to be a good game. You know it's going to be competitive. And and so from that angle, you know, maybe so. And when you look at Florida State, you see the new life that they have basically been born in these last couple of of weeks. And and the fact that they look like a completely and total different team from that Notre Dame game. What they're trying to do, who they are personnel-wise. I mean, they're on a nice roll here as a running team. And we've seen them cut down the penalties, cut down the sacks, turnover margin plummeted, and they're they're just a different team. That's the best way I can say it. They're playing with confidence. They know who who they are. They know their identity. And KG, that's a powerful thing when you know what and who you are. Definitely, they can run the football. I know no team in college football has averaged more yards per carry in the month of October. They're currently fifth nationally and yards per carry for the whole season. So that's big. And the other thing that Florida State's done a really good job of is they've cut down on their turnovers. The first four games, though, that was their big issue. And the last three, they've been a lot better. It's so weird, Mac. Like, Florida State comes into this game as the team that perhaps has learned how to win. And Clemson comes into this game as the team that, to me, I feel like they're, they're just playing not to lose instead of going out there and playing to win with the pressure that that Clemson's under. Florida State, that's the thing with this game. Florida State can play free as a bird. No one thinks they're going to win this game. No one expected Norvell in year two to beat Clemson. And Clemson is playing with all the pressure of, you're really going to lose to Florida State? Like that. That's where this game is right now. That's a very tough thing for the Clemson players and a, a very freeing thing for FSU. Yeah, why don't we just add some more pressure onto Clemson because they don't, you know, they don't play with enough of it already. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the reality. Uh, I'm with you though. I'm I'm 100 with you. That that wasn't sarcastic. I think when you you see Clemson right now, they're feeling all of that, especially offensively. It, it just the offense looks slow. It looks difficult. It looks, you know, just just not like they're out there just playing football, playing a game at the end of the day. And and I know I've said that before, but. You know, these guys just have to go back to having fun. And honestly, when I'm going through the pit game and I'm reviewing that and I'm seeing these plays, it might honestly have been Clemson's best offensive game because of the lack of MAs, the lack of things here and there. But it still was drives were just killed and the game was killed by one guy at one time not doing his job. And, and it's just it's crazy to keep seeing it over and over again with you know, a wide receiver in Bo Collins running a great route, man-to-man coverage, kind of hits him with a, a a lean inside like he's going to run a post and then converts it to a fade wide open, easy touchdown. And, and DJ, for whatever reason, kind of threw like he was running a, a a flag route, a back shoulder ball, and it's it's short and it clearly doesn't score a touchdown. And then on the, the interception to Justin Ross, high and outside, and he throws it short and back shoulder, gets picked off. The pitch 
uh, uh, the right guard just didn't grab the guy, crosses his face. It's the easiest block you can ever make, and, and it ends up being one of the best defensive plays we've seen this year in all of college football. And so there's all these just little things. The drop, Will Shipley, I'm having an epiphany right here of huge. all these plays. Uh, another touchdown. Um, and so all these little things just adding up for Clemson over and over and over. And it's uh, it, it's been devastating. So, you know, for them, figure it out. Can you get going? Is there going to be a spark? Is there going to be some new personnel or player? We'll be interested to see. Give me your keys for this game, Eric McLean. It's still a rivalry game. This is, to me, this is a pride game. Yes, both of y'all are pretty much out of any national stuff. You're pretty much out of the ACC championship race. Clemson, I guess a miracle could still happen, but this is a pride game. So what are your keys, Mac? Yeah, they're both out, by the way. Um, but Wait, is Clemson – well, if, if NC State and Wake keep losing, Clemson only has maybe. two ACC losses is my point. Yeah, that's right. That's true. It's um, possible. Statistically, it's possible. And we've okay, certainly seen right. it before. I think uh, – 2009, I think Clemson had like four or five losses and was in the ACC championship somehow. So, sure, it, it's certainly possible. Um, but when I look at Clemson, the key for them is to score. Score points. Please, please, please score more than 19. Really? If you score more than 19, I'll guarantee this. You probably you'll win. win. You'll win the game. H- have you ever seen the meme, Kelly, of the, the stick figure standing there and he has a stick and he says, do something, and he's just poking It's ironic the because... That used to be the meme that everyone would tweet about Florida State because I think that was Willie Taggart's saying. How the turns his, his have team table. motto was like hashtag do something. <laughs> All right, well here we are, full circle moment. So that's where I am with this Clemson offense. And then for Florida State, don't be afraid and don't abort the entire game plan when the run doesn't work early because I can almost guarantee you it's not. You know they're going to have a game plan. Clemson's going to have this thing schemed up to really attack you there. Just keep going. Keep pounding the rock. Do what you do. Be who you are. And this is going to be a fantastic football game. My key has to do with Jordan Travis. Look, the two backs concern Clemson. They should concern Clemson with Corbin and Ward. But when you look at what Clemson did against Syracuse, Sean Tucker got his, but they were able to shut down Schrader and win the game. I think if you're able to contain Jordan Travis on the ground, if you can contain him early, he might start pressing, trying to make some throws that he has no business making. Then you can force some turnovers. But to me, you know, if those running backs get theirs, that's okay if you're Clemson. But you can't let Jordan Travis have himself a game. I agree. I like that. That's a great game plan. All right. Let's get to our next game here, Mac. Louisville, four and three overall at NC State, five and two overall. Primetime game on ACC Network, 7.30 on ACCN. NC State's a six and a half point favorite. Is NC State mature enough to bounce back, especially now without Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson's been out, to beat Louisville? And specifically, without those guys at linebacker, contain Malik Cunningham and his legs. That's my biggest concern for State. Yeah, same here. But I think the the key thing to remember here is that NC State still controls their own destiny when it comes to the ACC. They still play Wake Forest. And if they win out, they're in. They're in the championship game. So, I think with that in mind, you hope and think and assume that this coaching staff, these players, that they just flushed it. They got rid of last week and have totally moved on and and are going to be able to say, hey, look, this is what we're doing. This is what we want to accomplish, and we have all our goals out in front of us. So I have to think, yes, Uh, Devin Leary, he he is playing at such a high level right now that there is a 
magical list that's floating out there, KG, of quarterbacks. There's five of them in the entire country that are averaging 250 yards a game, 17-plus touchdowns, and have less than three interceptions. That list compiles of Kenny Pickett, Sam Hartman, and Devin frickin' Leary. These guys, wow. are they're just killing it. They, they really are, and, and I think it's a little bit underrated when you see what he's been able to do, but he's controlling the football, he's not turning it over, and he's making smart plays. And so he has been just instrumental in what these guys want to do. So defensively, that's where it's going to be a big issue. You know, can these guys, you know, step up where needed? You know, I thought preseason this was going to be one of the best linebacking cores in the entire country. Two of the three of those guys are out for the season. So a lot is going to fall on Drake Thomas, and he's done a great job. But now you need somebody that can keep up with, that can track, you know, Malik Cunningham, and that's going to be difficult. You're the guy that played football, Mac. I just watch it and um, try to talk about it. So correct me if I'm wrong here. When containing a an electrifying rushing QB, dual threat QB, which position group is most important defensively? Honestly, all of okay, them. Okay, but you got to pick one. Because there's one. just such different levels. Well, l- can I tell you a scheme please, instead? Please. Don't run man-to-man. Don't okay. run man-to-man. Because think about this. If you're running man, you everybody has their assignment. Your head is turned. You're looking at that wide yeah. receiver. When you're downfield looking at this guy, you don't see the quarterback scampering around, making all these moves and, and taking off. So it, it's very dangerous to play man. Now you can go outside corners maybe, and then everybody else kind of be in a zone, like a a man two kind of look Mm -hmm. that we saw, you know, Georgia do, or or maybe some type of cover three uh, with that. But it's going to be very interesting to see what they run. And and honestly, probably linebackers. They're the first like real line of defense. I I figured you were trying to get there. I'll say linebackers (laughs) for sure. uh, Because you, you hope that those guys can limit and contain that from happening. Yeah. And with two of your best players out, it's uh, it's going to get interesting very quickly. That's what worries me. That's what worries me for NC State because you know what can happen with these mobile guys is your your edge players overcommit. Perhaps Malik Jukes one of them, and then the linebackers have to contain. And you don't have Peyton Wilson. You don't have Isaiah Moore. Those are those are your two dudes. Like Drake Thomas is still a great player, but that's really a bummer for NC State. But on the flip side, NC State they played well enough to beat Miami. I Devin Carter had some drops that were just. So tough. And I feel for him. I know he's beaten himself up over it, but those were not normal, not normal Devin Carter plays. Then you had the offsides that NC State had late in the game that pretty much sealed it. So they had every chance to win that game. I think I'm kind of giving away my key early here, Mac, but how mature is this NC State locker room? Yeah. How mature are they, especially with Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore out? Right. Can you refocus and and remember that all of your goals are in front of you? Yeah, well, well, quickly with Louisville, you know, I think they have to keep cutting down the turnovers. Those are kind of creeping back into a part yeah. of the game plan. We saw them have four last week, uh, but really just get the ball to, to Malik. Just let him work. Let him cook. He's such a special player. He, he has 13 rushing touchdowns, guys. That's tied for first in the country, not of quarterbacks, of anybody. You know, he, he is just super special when he has the ball. And that was your key, Kelly. Here's mine uh, for NC State. Uh, it's the same as every team that plays Louisville this year contain Malik Cunningham. And, and a lot of teams haven't been able to do it. Some that have, have, have beaten them. And, and so if you're able to do that, it's kind of like when you cut the head off of the snake, uh, the, the rest of the body, it'll st- still do some weird stuff. But uh, ultimately, that that's the guy right there. And then Louisville, 
as I just said, you got to limit the turnovers. If you're giving this team extra opportunities in NC State, they're going to take real advantage of it very quickly. They are. Okay, let's head out west, Eric McLean, for our final game of our Big Four breakdown. Then we'll give you some picks, talk about the speed round as well. Virginia, 6-2 and two overall at number 25 BYU, 6-2 and two overall. Virginia, you win this game, you're ranked, I think. No <laughs> pressure. 10-15. Well, hold on, ranked, ranked in the AP or ranked in the college football Oh, playoff? is next week the playoff poll? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I think they're here. definitely ranked in the playoff poll. Yes. I think. 10-15 Eastern. That's a little bit of a different scenario for this East Coast team. ESPN 2, BYU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Mac, did you ever play in a game like this that, that with the time zone change? That's got to be an interesting challenge for these guys. Uh, when, we went, when we went to uh, to Phoenix, but it was like reversed, which it, it kind of is here too. When we played that national championship, um, you know, we played at like 8 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock yeah, Eastern. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not 10, 10 Not 10, 15. Not 10:15. That's going to be uh that's going to be pretty interesting for those guys and really giving me some ACC after dark yes. vibes. I'm I'm excited for this. I think this is our first experience with something like this. But Broncos going home. He's going back. You know, he was the head coach there for 11 plus years and and really just did some amazing things for that program and Man, Virginia, they're, they're just taking this air raid offense on the road. And, and listen to this fun stat. I, I got really weird with stats this week, guys. Uh, there are only 20 pass catchers in all of Power 5 with 25-plus receptions and 370-plus yards. Of the 20, Virginia has four of them. It, it's insane the production that these guys have. And, and Woods and Kemp, Thompson, Wicks, these guys are just on fire and doing a great job. Uh, with their quarterback who's leading the country in passing the ball. He, he's just, it's been exceptional to see what they've been able to do in the offensive line. They played extremely well. I, I expect that the final piece of this offense, KG, to be unlocked with the quarterback run. You know, Brennan looked really healthy last week. And I think that if he is back to 100%, that's the final piece of this backyard football that I like to call it, where he's just going to really do a huge push here to get in the Heisman conversation, to get in the ACC Player of the Year conversation, because I think that if he can do that, if you can do more than just throw the ball, I think people will start to get really excited about it. Yeah, for sure. Well, they already should be excited because of the numbers he's putting up. And, Mac, uh, what about UVA's defense? Any thoughts there? Uh, no, I don't. Who cares? Who cares? Just, just score who, 50 Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Uh, I, I will tell you a matchup <laughs> that I'm looking forward to, though, before we you know kind of move on here. November 20th. I can't freaking oh my wait. I'm not wishing the season away, guys. Don't Mark get mad at calendars. me. But Kenny Pickett, Brennan Armstrong, it's a heavyweight matchup. And I can't Winner wait goes to, to New York? It. Winner goes to New York. How about that? Winner gets ACC Ooh. Player of the Year, first-team quarterback, and goes to New York. I love it. Um, BYU on the other side, and we'll give our keys in a second. BYU is very balanced. They don't score a lot of points. And that's where, you know, I think whichever team is able to dictate this game and make it into what they want. UVA, a shootout. BYU, a game played in the 20s. That team's going to win. Yeah. I, I think that's that's pretty simple there. And also, BYU is going to have a really great environment, Matt. They will. They will. And a great scheme that they're going to try to run, ground and pound, and then a defense that kind of this bend-don't-break mentality. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see this beast. You know that They haven't really seen an attack like this. I would say Baylor, no. but Baylor's running the ball so much more this year uh, it's right. going to be really interesting to see how they are prepared to go against this this backyard air raid. 
This backyard air raid. That from might the be East the new Coast. name. That might be the new name. It's a backyard like air raid. I think that's. I good. like that. I think it's good. And uh, Brennan Armstrong is the uh, Pablo from backyard baseball, backyard football. <laughs> the All goat. Right. We love Pablo. What? A, oh my gosh. Okay. What are your keys to this game, Mac? Yeah, for me, it's just taking that offense on the road. You know, for for two, three, four years. Virginia just would forget how to play football when they would go somewhere else. And that is going to be so important uh, to remember how to play football when you go play BYU. So I think there's going to be a lot of emotion, especially for the coaching staff. Hopefully that doesn't trickle down to the players and and turn into nervous energy uh, just because this is something that Bronco hadn't done before. You know, he's going back to a place that was very special to him for quite some time. So get rid of that, you know, scared energy, that nervous energy, Positive vibes only, and let's keep that offense rolling. My key for this game is turn this game into a shootout. BYU can't score with you. If you're able to turn this game into a shootout, I think you get the dub in Utah. All right, KG, before we get to the speed round, it's time for our Seaside Grown Fresh Picks of the Week. Seaside Grown comes from a rich 120-year history of family-owned sustainable farming in South Carolina's low country. Start your tailgate off right with Seaside's Bloody Mary Mix. Each jar of their award-winning Bloody Mary Mix is packed with two pounds of the family's fresh-grown tomatoes. Their salsa is also amazing. Their barbecue sauces are epic. And Mac, look, you've been getting this sneak peek. I got a little sneak peek of things to come from Seaside Grown in the next couple of months. So some new products. Y'all stay tuned. No, I, I think you can go ahead and drop a little bomb here, guys. There is a margarita mix on the way. That Kelly Gramley, Mac, she's freaking out about it. I, I can't even explain to you how much a margarita mix is up my alley. <laughs> like that is, if you were to create, if you're Seaside Grown and you're like, Kelly, what product would you like us to create? Margarita mix? Perfect. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> she's excited. I'm excited. There's some really fun stuff coming down the, uh, the, the aisle, if you will, for Seaside Grown. Guys, they have 19 true field-to-glass products. And 19, that's the minimum because we're growing. It's about to get so much better. Really, what's so impressive to me about Seaside Grown is the traceability. The fact that they can get it down to, to a mile, to an acre of where they grew this tomato. They know the exact farm. They knew the exact lot and plot. There, there are some farms out there, guys, they have no clue. They don't know where this is coming from. Seaside Grown knows, and they know how fresh it is. It goes straight from the field into a bottle within 24 hours. They do it all themselves. And really, guys, some of my favorite products, the barbecue sauce, Kelly mentioned the salsa, but that Seaside Grown Bloody Mary mix, it's award-winning. It's some of the best I've ever had. And listen, I just drink it as tomato juice, and I mix it in chili. It's so good. It's so good it in is. chili. It's unbelievable. So do yourself. It's That's chili right. season. It is. It's, 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 uh, it's hoodie and short season, and it's chili season. And you have kind of a strange look on your face here, Kelly Graham, like, uh, when you can wear heavy, warm clothes on top and just shorts on the bottom, you're living your best life. It's the perfect temperature outside. Okay, this is a little TMI, and we're going to get to our picks. The only reason men can do that is because you have hairy legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this sure. is a, yeah, like, <laughs> I can't do that. I am always cold. Well, you could. I'm I mean, sitting you know, here. take a month off or so. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, look, I'm already locked down. Like, what's the point? I am sitting here in sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and I'm You're in cold. your own house. Feet, Turn the heat up. My feet are cold. What are, are you cold. doing? Anyway, no, let like, me tell I, the people it's about It's weird. This. I like being cold. I don't know why. Continue. All right, guys. Do yourself a favor. Go to SeasideGrown.com. <laughs> See if they have any you know warm weather stuff for your legs. KG will be a part of that. Uh, but also, those field-to-glass products we talked about, 
Load up your cart, and when you're ready to check out, use our code ACC15, and you'll save 15% on your entire order. We got a little distracted there. But you know what? That's the show. All right, Mac, let's give our picks, and then we're going to get through our speed round here. Speaking of picking peaches and blueberries and tomatoes, let's pick some games. Miami at number 17, Pitt. Pitt is a nine-point favorite. Give me your straight-up pick and a spread or total pick if you feel so inclined. Yeah, I got burned on, you know, being really confident against the team that's playing Miami. I think this team is in a better place in Pittsburgh. So I'm picking them straight up. I'm taking the points and I'm taking the over. I think that uh, Pittsburgh is going to want to make a statement game. The fact that they can win a really big one, have this, you know, high be on the mountaintop and then keep going. I think they're going to be out to show that and really to prove you think of, of these voters, you think of playoff discussions. Oh, man, they can't get in the playoff. They lost to Western Michigan. I think if they keep handling business accordingly, that loss starts to get smaller, smaller, and smaller. It definitely does. I'm taking Pitt as well. I was thinking about Miami plus nine. (sighs) I'm still a little bit on the fence, but as long as Pitt gets off to a quick start, I think Miami's been playing well, but this is a different animal that they're facing in Pitt. So I would lean Pitt minus nine, Mac. All right, Florida State at Clemson. Clemson is a 10-point favorite. Take Florida State with the points. Yep. Take the under. But I will never, ever in my life pick Florida State over Clemson. Ever. So You can't do it. Go Tigers. Oh, man, I love it. Okay. Uh, FSU plus 10 is a no-brainer. Clemson has not covered the whole season. I think you keep doing that until it doesn't happen. Until it's, and 10 is a lot of points. 10 is a lot of points. Clemson hasn't beaten anybody by 10 except for South Carolina State. But I, do, I think Clemson finds a way. This game's at home. I think that the fans are going to show up. I think that Florida State, when when you play Brent Venables, you can't be one-dimensional. And that's somewhat what Florida State is. Now, if Jordan Travis goes out there and starts slinging the ball all over the yard, I will stand corrected. But I'm going to take Clemson here. But FSU plus 10, for sure. Come on. Yep. Louisville at NC State. NC State's a six-and-a-half-point favorite, Mac. I'm a little worried about this one. I think this is going to be mm-hmm. a spooky game. I'm taking Louisville again with the points. Uh And the under. I'm taking the under. I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be unfortunate. But NC State finds a way to win. (sighs) I'm taking Louisville. Yes! I'm taking Louisville straight up. To me, this is is the ACC game of the week. This is where craziness happens. NC State, back-to-back weeks, they get get this? Look, I'm just, I'm worried about NC State's maturity. I'm worried about Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore. They're old. They're an old team. No, they are. But Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore, those those are your dudes. Those are your leaders. I get it. They're I get out. It. You got to contain Malik. Louisville's feeling pretty good. I mean, they've won some games recently. I'm worried about Louisville's turnovers. I will say that. Yes. It's a primetime yes. game. But to me, yep. this, is, this is an ACC moment. I think Louisville gets it done. So obviously, I think Louisville plus six and a half. All right. Our final game out West, Mac. Virginia at BYU. BYU is a two and a half point favorite. Give me Virginia. Give me the over. I think, as you said, they turn this into a track meet that BYU cannot run in. I think that that offense is going to be rolling. They're going to take it on the road. They're going to check another box of saying, we are getting so much better as a program, as an offense, as a team. And this is what we do. We take care of business. And I think they want to be ranked. So let's get it done. Wahoo wah. <laughs> I agree. I'm taking Virginia. It worries me just because of Virginia and their history on the road. But they've been better on the road this year. They're trying to get rid of that um, that reputation, if you will. I won't be shocked if BYU wins, but I think UVA is the better team. 
So I'm taking UVA and, and UVA plus two and a half. Mac, it's time for our speed round. Let's run through these games pretty quickly here. We've got a few to chat about. Number 13, Wake. They're back in action, 7-0. and They're hosting 3-4 and Duke, 4 o'clock on ACC Network. Wake minus 16 and a half. Take Wake to cover. <laughs> I think Wake is going to, to handle business. Do they take do do you take the over as well? Are they gonna hang 70 again? Ooh. Ah, uh, that that's a pretty high over. Duke has to Duke has to help you out a little bit here. They've uh, got to score. Know, that's right. <laughs> I'm I Just feel score, good about Wake three. minus sixteen. If they and a kick half, a field though. goal, we've already seen Wake put up 70. So if they kick a field goal, then you're good. <laughs> that's all you need. Uh I, I've got two interesting things for you here. Wake Forest, 1944, 7 and 0. I think they were 13 something in the country. Playing really, really well, and then guess who they played? Duke, and they lost. Unbelievable! That that history is right here again, and we're going to see these guys possibly rewrite the history books. It's nuts that you know a hundred years, almost ninety, eighty. I can't do math. Eighty years later, uh, we're dealing with the same type of situation. So that's interesting. And then the the Wake defense. I've been talking about it. I said, guys, you're getting a little suspect. I'm worried about you. Their run defense is the worst in the league at 209 per game. If you take out the Army game, which they ran for a billion yards, it's still like 13th worst at 173. But here's the deal. They played against the number one rushing offense in the ACC, the number two rushing offense in the ACC, and the number four rushing offense. So it's a little skewed stats here, but big but here, Duke is number three. So they're playing the top four rushing teams in the conference and, and I think that that is that does worry it, me a little a bit. It's a little bit worrying. So, but another but, we just saw Virginia, who Big was butt. who was before the worst defense at, at stopping the run, blank Duke. So, exactly. I don't know what to expect. I, I think we're both agreeing that we need to fade Duke here. Uh, but but yeah, I think, it's a fade Duke. Yeah, play. I think Wake is is going to take care of business. All right, Mac. Let's talk about North Carolina at number eleven. Notre Dame, seven thirty on NBC. Notre Dame is a three and a half point favorite. They just beat Southern Cal in a game that was pretty ugly. Notre Dame doesn't really blow teams out, so the spread is interesting to me. But they're running the ball a lot better with Kyron Williams. That's the key for Notre Dame. And this UNC defense still just can't stop a a seven a seven year old flag football team. <laughs> I think this is all about the offense and, and all about Sam Howell. I think this is a really big opportunity, a really big stage for him to remind folks who he is and the quarterback that he is. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to do so, especially with Kyle Hamilton, the best safety in all of college football, being out of this game. I, I really think that Sam Howell and the boys are going to take advantage of that middle of the field, you know, not being occupied by him. And what can they do offensively, I think, starts and finishes with Sam. I agree. I still think Notre Dame probably wins the game because they can control the game. They can run the ball. It's going to be at yeah. home. Are you still taking Notre Dame? Notre Dame's kind of in the same boat as Florida State. I don't really like picking those guys, so uh, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Okay. I Tune into the huddle. Yet. Tune into the huddle. <laughs> you're you're not legally obligated to make picks on the speed round games here on the Graham Lincoln MacLean podcast. That's right. That's right. Boston, I'm, I'm reserving that's that right. right here. Boston College. Oh, sweet, sweet Boston College at Syracuse. We love Syracuse. Three, we are a Syracuse podcast. Three thirty on a local network. Syracuse is six point favorite. Get it, Cuse? Get it? Come what, on. Do we think they're able to cover here, Mac? I think so. I mean, Boston College just searching for anything offensively, kind of getting into the boat of Virginia Tech and Clemson right now. Of man, we we just don't know who we are. We don't know what we want to do. 
Uh, I know what you need to start with, getting the ball to Zay Flowers. Just put him at Wildcat, please. He needs more touches. He's such a special player, and it's been just devastating for me as a Boston College stand to see this happen. Uh, But Cuse, I mean, this one-two punch of Schrader and Tucker, it's been fantastic. These guys have been playing really, really well. Tucker leading the country, the only back over 1,000 yards right now, and he's tied for fourth with 10 TDs. And he would be in first if Garrett Schrader would stop pulling the daggum ball and let him score a little bit more. But (laughs) both these guys, they're getting after it, they're getting theirs, and it's been really fun to watch this development. I think Syracuse minus six is what I'm going with there. I am all in on the orange. They're my new squad. I'm with you there, too. They're my new squad. Absolutely. All right, Virginia Tech, our final game here, the Battle of the Techs. Virginia Tech at Georgia Tech, noon on a local network. Georgia Tech is a four-point favorite. Oh, this game, this game worries me, Mac. But you you seem to like uh, the Yellow Jackets here. Oh, yeah, it worries. It doesn't worry me. I'm like, you're fading Look, Duke. I'm I get fading it. It's Virginia a fade Tech, Virginia Tech. Time. I get that. But yeah. I don't trust Georgia Tech. That's the problem. Well, sure. Okay, I understand that. I think they have enough athletes to, to get it done. I mean, we've seen good growth from Sims as a true passer. He's been right at or over 300 yards in his past three games. So that's been really good to see that progression. The turnover's still hurting him. Uh, but, you know, I think they're going to figure it out. I think against this team in the Tecmo Bowl, if you will. Uh, it, they're going to get it done. The one thing that I'm interested to see with Virginia Tech is they kind of found a bright spot in Malachi Thomas, who went for 21 rushes, 151 yards, three TDs. I mean, do that again. Do the exact same game plan and just hope that Georgia Tech can't score as many points as Syracuse did. I agree. That That is an added wrinkle. Give the ball to him and, and get out of the way. Completely agree, Mac. Well, we went through every game. Look for our picks on Twitter, Seaside Grown, Fresh Picks of the Week. This was such a fun episode, Mac. And we want to shout out our producer, Richmond Weaver, who produces our podcast every single week, three times a week. He does amazing work. Check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports, and be on the lookout for a new podcast that Richmond may have in the works. He's the busiest guy in sports media, but we appreciate him so much. And we appreciate you guys for listening. He's the GOAT. Guys, if you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, We'll see y'all.